Hats off, Gary. Thank you. Hat off to you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Hey, everybody. Welcome to Riggle's Picks. Rob Riggle here. Uh, Sarah Tiana uh, and Gary, as always. Friends, big news today. Uh, As you know, we're getting to the end of the year, and the turd roundup has begun because next week's smoking hot turd awards, the annual turd awards are next week. And Sarah is so dedicated, she actually jumped on uh, Richard Branson's private jet and is headed back to Georgia, right, Gary? That's right. To find more turds, because apparently there's a big turd discovery down in Florida. Uh, well, there's always turds down in Florida, but there apparently some came across the line right around Valdosta. I believe that's Valdosta. Dosta. So I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> right, there it's, on the, it's right there on the state line of Florida and Georgia. Anyway... She is in a plane right now, uh, Richard Branson specifically, because I guess they're friends. I guess they do all kinds of parties together, and they have a hot tub parties, celebrity hot tub parties. They do all kinds of stuff. But she, Tara, uh, Sarah, has been gracious enough to call in, and we got her on the phone. Gary, check the thing and see if she's still with us. Sarah, are you there? Hello. Hey, there she yeah, is. Yeah, you got <laughs> No, you guys are really interrupting my good time on this plane. Uh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Uh, we just wanted to check in with you because I've never been on a private plane. Uh, how is it? Yeah, and that's not going to start anytime soon because I talked to Richard and he was like, no wriggles allowed. And I was like, that's why I'm coming alone. That's that's a yeah. weird policy. <laughs> I mean, he's, but he knew my name? Yeah, he called you Ron, but I just went with it. I knew who he was talking about. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, yeah, we're supposed to be going to Florida, and it's uh, Valdosta, by the way. Oh, Valdosta. Um, they, they make sweet onions, and they are sweeter than sweet, and they're great. But looks like we're going to have to take like a five-hour layover in Kansas City because there's just like too many turds there to not. No, no, no. I'm going to pick up a couple in Kansas City, and then we'll make our way to Florida. (laughs) No, no, no. There are no turds in Kansas City. I'm I'm not hearing that. I know you're trying to provoke me with this aggressive tone. Um, No, I'm just telling you honest truths, and if you don't like truths, then uh, you can stay in Los Angeles while I hit the road and find the truth. <laughs> don't don't make yourself out to be some sort of truth crusader out there doing God's work, like some sort of journalistic Woodward and Bernstein uh, when it comes to the Turt Awards. Uh, you're 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 out there working hard, and I appreciate it. But. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Richard Branson was telling me this funny joke about some dumb show called Holy Moly that he watches. That's not that's my show. <laughs> that's not a real show. That's not a real show. <laughs> Sarah, anyway, that's my we're show. Drunk on a plane. She knows it's my show. Oh Gary. yeah. I think she does. She knows it's my show. Well, tell Richard I hope he enjoys uh, the show. Uh and, and you know that's my show, right? Sarah, you knew that. Um I don't, I'm pretty drunk right now, to oh, be honest. God. Uh, yeah. So I'm just going with the flow. But anyway, it sounds like a made up. I didn't know it was a real show, but if it's like your show, then it's probably not going to be on for too long. So you can't be too upset, you know? I. I oh. Gary, you're, you're hearing all of this, right? Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's this not is... working out well for you. Well, no, she just parties with Richard Branson, and I guess that's what happens when you roll when you roll like that. You get... You know, it's weird know. that she's drunk and seven months pregnant <laughs> <laughs> and flying in a private plane at altitude. That's all like, strange. Oh, she's making bad choices. Not, um, not supposed to be in a hot tub, but there's two. <laughs> and uh, Mama needs some rest. <laughs> Mama needs wine, hot tubs and private planes. Well, listen, Sarah, thank you for for 
seeking out more turds. We're all grateful to you. Sure thing, Riggle. Turd alert on one. I'll be back next week with lots of fresh turds for you to examine, probably <laughs> all in the shape of a Jayhawk. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's over the line. That's over the line, young lady, uh, because there are a bunch of bulldog turds where you're going. I can't talk. Patrick Mahomes just came on the plane. What's up? Oh, my hey! God. Oh, my God. Tell him yeah. I said hi. Tell him I said hi. Tell him I said hi. <laughs> you know, I've never heard of Ron. Oh, no. I don't know who he is. Anyway, I have to go, Ron, because. Uh, it's Rob. It's and cool yeah. Thing. All right. Fine. So. Oh. All right. Have fun, you two. Oh, God. Just hang up on her, Gary. Unbelievable. <laughs> can't believe she did that seemed unnecessarily aggressive. It, you know what it seemed like? It seemed like she was having the time of her life, uh, which, I'm not, you know, look, does it hurt? Yeah, because she, you know, instead of being with you and me in this dingy uh, van in the parking lot of a Target, yeah, uh, she wants to go fly around uh, with Richard Branson and party. And, and Patrick Mahomes, I think the Turd Award thing was a cover. She just didn't want to work. I guess, or you know, also, uh, Mahomes is you know she's hanging with Mahomes too, and, like and, and she made it sound like he got on mid-flight. Yeah, well, no, she did say she was landing in Kansas City for a little layover, so maybe yeah, that's maybe. I don't know. It all sounds fishy to me. I don't know. I'm just really grateful that you still have a van and that we can still record in it. Yeah, and I don't mind meeting you here at Target. The Target has so many values. Well, listen, I mean, where else are you going to get? Your fresh produce. You're not. And a Cuisinart. You're not. You can't do that. You can't. And games. Yeah, you go You go soup to nuts for the whole night. You know, oh. you got the board games. You got the, the devices to cook the food. You got the food. You know. You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. Yeah. I might just go in and knock out all my Christmas shopping in one day. This definitely is not where I live. Yeah. I'm, why, why would you say that? I like don't that? know. Why would you say that? I didn't. You said. Never mind. I like Target. Yeah, the, I do too. That's what I was, yeah, that's, that's I was saying. I love Target. I and here's the thing. Tar- we're not getting paid by Target right now. No, no, no. This is not sponsored by Target. Not at all. But if they want to pay us. Please do. Yeah. Uh, Gary, um, so I'm sure Sarah will probably, if she keeps going at the pace she's going, she's probably going to call us back and prank us. One would think. I would. Yeah. Uh, but we have a lot of lot of stuff going on out there in the in the sporting world. Uh, you want to touch on any of it? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of movement in the uh, in the MLB contract department in the past few. Oh days. yeah, there was. How yeah. about that contract? For those of you out there who don't know, uh, Garrett Cole. Yep, and before him, Steven Strasburg. What? Strasburg was uh, seven years, two hundred and forty five million. Uh, no opt outs or options in the contract, and it made him the highest paid pitcher ever at thirty five million a year. Um, that's, that's the annual value. Some of it's deferred. You know how these contracts all work there. 35 mil a year. And then as it works in sports, Garrett Cole, the next day, 36 million a year, because it's all about, it's all about the, I gotta, I gotta have the, the highest yeah, I gotta number. have the, you know, I, I, uh, currently, um, am $1 million below Sarah Tiana. Uh, similar type deal. I signed early, then they came in. Sarah signed the day later for more money. Sure, uh, but it's it's only. I think it, I said a million. I was kidding. Obviously, we don't get paid that much on. Uh, we, I don't even know if we get paid here, but um, uh, I know that uh, I get a Starbucks gift card, <laughs> fully loaded. It's loaded up with about a hundo, and I think she hers was for two hundo. So. Yeah. She is, you know, and then she's not showing up for work, which is yeah. it's frustrating. Well, to be honest, Gary, you keep moving your van. Well, the there are laws. You know, we, we don't need to get into it. All right. Well, we don't need to get into it. Uh, another number one in college basketball loss to an unranked opponent. Did you see this? No. Louisville went down to Texas Tech. Oh, my gosh. So that's. The fourth top-ranked team to lose this season, behind Michigan State, Kentucky, and Duke. Duke and w- was was Texas Tech unranked at the time? They were. Oh my good! College basketball is dangerous. Oh, it's bananas. Yeah, anything my, can happen. Oh my! Uh, my top twenty ranked Arizona Wildcats almost got taken down by Pepperdine. 
on Thanksgiving night. What? Yeah. And, and they were playing in Anaheim, six miles from my house. I had no idea what was going on. There was some kind of weird tournament, tournament yeah. going on at the at the Anaheim Arena. It's an arena I've never heard of. I yeah, I've never the <laughs> I've Anaheim, never heard of the Anaheim Arena. It looked like a it looked like what I imagine a high end basketball arena. You know how those college those high schools in Texas have the high end yeah. high school football stadiums? Yes. If they had the equivalent for basketball, that's what the Anaheim Arena looks like. It looks like a town that takes their call their high school basketball too seriously. Wow. And it was empty. Really? It was on ESPN all three nights, and the, at the peak of it, there was maybe 300, 400 people in the crowd. Was this the first annual? I, it, see, I think it was a wooden thing. I think it was whatever they've rebranded the wooden tournament. Uh, well, then they need to, you know, UCLA be, needs to take ownership of that. Yeah, and that if used it, if to be. If it's got Wooden's name on it. Exactly. Put it at Poly. I mean, it used to be at uh, the Honda Center, the big arena yes. in Anaheim where the Ducks play and where, you know, where yeah. they have concerts and stuff. But no, Anaheim Arena, which is. Somewhere in the Anaheim Convention Center. I, my wife and I both had to look this up, and it is less than 10 miles from our house. Very, wow. very weird. But the point is, is that college basketball has been absolutely bananas. This it's season. dangerous. Yeah. It's really dangerous. And as a, a KU uh, fan, obviously everybody Oof. knows I'm a, a Jayhawk. Uh, my team's number two in the country. Probably one number one now. Probably. Um, and, uh, you know, that. But it's so early in the season. You no one ever holds on to number one very long because you you lose one game and you're bumped out. You know, and it's, you're gonna lose games when you play. What do they play now? Forty games by the time you get through the tournament, something like that. Yeah. yeah. And ever since that sixteen took down a number one, it's all, I don't know if there's really that much advantage to being a one seed in the tournament. So coming into the tournament ranked fourth or fifth in the nation, you know, fifth or sixth, even maybe not the worst thing in the world. No, not at all. You get. I think you probably get a better. Uh, Better seat in the tournament. You certainly get a, an easier road, most likely. Yeah. On paper, I mean, you never know how the selection committee is going to screw it up this year. But well, and that's that is kind of the fun thing about college, college basketball, high school basketball, um, or basketball in general, I guess. But uh, anybody can win on any given day if you come and you play your best game. Yeah. And you and uh, you can win. You can win because the 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 height differentials and the. Now you get you might get better athletes, you might get better, you know, and so that's why you see more dominance in certain schools. But you know, all it takes is a bad night on one side of the bench and a great night on the other on the other bench. And that's the best part about college basketball for me. I'm a big college basketball fan. My school was never traditionally good at football, so basketball was always where I hung my hat. I love it, but what you just said is my favorite part of college basketball on any given night. But that's what you hear people complaining about. People who, who bitch about college basketball say that it's because, well, you know, one game in March and the best team in the country has been dominating all season can be. Yeah. Yeah. They can be taken out. Absolutely. Yeah. Come correct. Absolutely. Come correct. You have every, to show up every night. Every game. Yeah. And that's hard for college kids, young athletes, too. They don't understand because they're still amateur athletes, you know, the, the the amount of effort that has to be put out every night. And that's why the coaches, I think, the really good coaches, you know, don't necessarily get the credit they deserve. You know, the yeah. the, the elite ones, you know, the Coach K's and the, the big ones that you know, they get their fanfare. But college basketball coaches are far and away the most instrumental coaches, in my opinion, because it's not like in the NBA, they basically legalized resting players this year. That's, so it, there is no, you know, you don't have to come correct every yeah. night. You, and they don't take coaching very well. They're not coachable. No, not at all. Because And how could they be when yeah. you know you're making four times as much as your boss? Right. You'll so sit you, there and be respectful to the point that you don't get fined, but... That's it. And and what they really are is more just managers. Yeah. You know? And, and I guess, they, I guess they, can, they, can, they can call a player, too, but the players kind of know better. Like, the players are doing whatever the players want to do, and sure. it's hard to corral them, like you just said, for all the reasons you just said. So I, I've never looked at NBA coaches and thought much of them. No, because they're more managers, right? Because if come on, let's be honest. If if they break that huddle and walk towards the center of that court, waiting for the inbound, and Kawhi looks at three guys and kind of nods, yeah. they're going to do what Kawhi is implying, and they're going to go the way Kawhi wanted to go, Absolutely. even if that's not what the yeah. coach just said in the huddle. Absolutely, and if they all come over for a timeout, and LeBron says, "Give me the ball," he gets the ball. Guess what's going to happen? Yeah, it, it's like coaches are going to overrule him. No. So it's it's I I do think I think college coaching is way more integral to the game. I agree, especially as you get down the stretch into the tournament, because it's you know the closer you get, the more you're dealing with fragile, tired teenagers mm -hmm. who are exceptionally talented. Right. But I mean, they're they're young kids and yeah. they are on a grand scale, and their twitters are blowing up. You know, yep. it's a different 
That's a and whole also, different also thing. when you're when you're when you're 18 to 21, which is you know the years they play right. in college, uh, your your basketball IQ isn't as developed as by the time you get to the NBA and you play a couple years in the NBA, you you know you 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 become a professional. You understand everything about the game, and you're when you're in college, you're still learning the game. You're still right. learning, and so so the the basketball coach uh, basketball IQ. Is instrumental. It in, just yeah, it just can't be as high as it would be in the NBA, where it, these kids, even the most elite ones, are still pretending to be students and they're yeah. still chasing girls and they're still doing all the stuff that a teenager does. And they have the stress of you know all the people watching them and all this stuff. You get to the NBA, you're being paid, you can relax, and all you have to think about is basketball, and That's you it. and the people around you will force you to focus on only that yeah. year round. And of course, your IQ is going to go up, but That's you right. know these coaches have to keep all the different personalities, all the different distractions. They have to keep these kids together and sort of impress upon them. We might be the greatest thing in the world, but you saw what happened to Duke. Some college I've never heard of beat them. Right. And and that's, you know, that, that changed the course of their whole season. Now, are they still going to make the tournament? Sure, but... Yeah. Will they be but in if that happen, seat? Probably. Probably, but if that yeah. happens in March, that can happen in March. Yeah. It happened in November. It can happen. Yeah, it can. And that that's why I think college basketball is one of the... One of the great sports out there. Oh, it's the best, in yeah, my opinion. It it's, is. It's the best. Um, did you see the uh, the stat that came out of Nielsen, the, the people who do TV ratings? No. Over Thanksgiving, Americans watched 44 billion minutes of college and NFL football, meaning more than two hours for every man, woman, and child in the country. God bless America. That's all I have God to say. God bless now. America. <laughs> that was the whole point of the story. I just I want to wow, say Wow, that's, you know, but... I, okay, so I love football. I love watching it. I love when two teams come out, and I, I just do. I love professional football a yeah. ton. I love college football, too. Um, and over the holidays, especially this time of year, I like having a game on in the background. That's, I don't know about you. That is exactly right. You know, even if we're all sitting around having dinner or if we're playing cards or if we're Whatever I'm doing, if I have a game on in the background, for whatever reason, this is going to sound crazy. It's comforting. It is. I agree. It's it's a. I don't know why I want to say it's Americana, but yeah. it is to me. And it's and in the background, you may not even be in that room. Uh-huh. The way my family eats Thanksgiving dinner, it's on in the room where the TV is, yeah. and then we're over, you know, in an adjacent room that's right. at the that's dining that, table. I'm the same boat, and I can't even see it from where I sit at the table. Mm-hmm. But when I get up to drop my plate off, I can peek my head around, and there it is. And it, ah, hello, old friend. <laughs> exactly. There you are. And you just get a little score. Yeah. Uh, it's still seventeen, seventeen, y'all. You oh, know, or whatever. Seven minutes left in the third. Yeah. We'll get back to this when it gets to crunch time. Absolutely, it's and, the best. And then, and it does. And now, you know, they have three games on Thanksgiving Day. Yep. And I love that. That's awesome. I absolutely love it because you catch the early game, the mid game, and the night game. I feel and bad. It, I feel the only thing I feel bad about for that scenario is the people on the East Coast who have to wait. Yeah, I get up. I'm I'm barely through my first cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, I'm helping the kid change his diaper. Oh, look at that! There's football. Oh, bel- believe me. Well, I lived in New York for ten years, and Monday Night Football for uh, several of those years started at nine p.m. Nine p.m. is when it started in New York and every game finished after midnight and I had to work the next day, you know, and I was yeah. always like, God dang it. Why am I staying up? And half the time I go to bed and miss a great game in the bed. Oh, did you see the comeback? I was like, no, of course I did. Cause I went to bed. I have a job. Now I live on the West coast. Daddy's loving it. Oh, it's all gravy. I'm loving it. I get up by the time. Just like you said, I have my coffee. Oh, and guess what? Game on. Perfect. And then when, then the, the last game of the night closes out about eight thirty. about eight thirty, nine o'clock sometimes. Yeah. And perfect. Then I can even catch a movie if I wanted sure. to. Catch an episode of whatever's on HBO because it's Sunday watch. night. Yeah. Yep. Just go, you know, just watch with the wife, go to bed. Oh. I, I do love the West Coast TV schedule. It's not bad. It's pretty damn good. It's it's uh it's not bad. Um so Russia was handed a four year ban from all major sporting events by the World Anti Doping Agency, WADA. And that means that the Russian flag and anthem will not be in the 2020 Olympics or the 2022 Olympics or World Cup. Okay. However, all the Russian athletes can still compete. Huh? Correct. What, what, am I, what am I missing? They're not competing under the Russian flag. They're competing under a neutral flag, presumably under the international flag. We've seen this before where countries that don't send a team to the Olympics compete under the international flag. 
you know, small countries that don't have real sporting, you know, sporting. But the culprits are the Russian athletes. That is certainly, they are certainly the ones taking the drugs. I, I don't get me wrong. I'm sure the Russian government, uh, yes. you know, is, has, has a. That is the is, argument is that Watt is making. Responsible as well, but right. uh, the athletes are the ones, you know, it's not the, the, it's not the state of Russia that's doping. It's the athletes that are doping. Why are they being allowed to still compete then? Well, WADA is taking the stance that it was state-sponsored doping and that the, I, I guess they're implying that the athletes were being compelled lest they not make the team. Oh, well, which is that's, a, in, that's interesting. It's a gray area. That is interesting because if, if, if you're in Russia and you don't do what they want you to do. That's not going to go well for you. I think it would go poorly for you. Yeah. So I... That coercion kind of makes sense, I guess. I can see that if it's true. If it's true, but and there's no way to know that because I'm not sure any truthful thing comes out of Russia. And I know that's a terrible statement, but I'm sorry. It seems like they are constantly embroiled in mischief. Yeah, I mean, every am movie, I wrong? Every movie like, that know, I saw in my childhood would suggest that they are nefarious. <laughs> well, but that's because no, well, they were the evil empire. They were the Soviet Union back then. True. Um, and you know, they were our nemesis and, you know, they, they believe in a state controlled government. They believe in communism and, and I think that's a terrible way. I think that's anytime you yeah. give freedom to the away and the state controls everything you do. That's it's just all, it's an awful, I couldn't imagine oh. anything more awful, but okay. So that the Soviet Union failed because communism, socialism, it will eventually always have to fail. Yeah. Eventually. They were. They went for seventy years before they failed, but it, eventually it will fail. Anyway, um, now Russia is this whatever. I don't even know what you call it. Is it some sort of? It, it feels like a dictatorship uh, because Putin just keeps changing. It's, he's like a mob <laughs> boss. Remember in Casino? Casino, absolutely. When he goes, he goes, all right. Now I'm director. Beverage. Now I'm director of food and beverage. But he still runs the place. Sure. But he just gets a new title. Yeah. Well, that's what he, you know, he was president, then he was prime minister, then he was premier, then he was, you know, and he just keeps staying at the top. But he just changes jobs because that under the Constitution, and I put that in air quotes, um, you know, that's how he can beat the system. Well, and let's go back to before he was president. He held the job that I would argue he also stayed at the top of. He's ahead of the KGB. Right. He's so, head of KGB, which means, you know, he, he's got some hard wiring sure. in him that says the West is evil. And and so he's on a mission to get Russia back to a uh, a position of power in, on, on the global scene, uh, and, and and because when he came up, there were two superpowers: there was the, the Soviet Union and, and the United States. And then he had to watch it crumble. And so I'm sure that a lot of his pride was hurt. A lot of everything he's believed in was hurt. Absolutely. And so now he's trying to reestablish them as a, a world player, and he's. He's KGB, so what do you think he's doing? Mischief is part of his program. Yeah, and you, you read a little bit about that particular organization, and they don't really have retirement the way that our CIA or NSA does, where you reach 70 and they give you a gold watch and you yeah. kind of go off to Virginia and tend to your farm. Oh, no, it's, you're it's sort more like the mob. For, you're sort of in for life, yeah. You're in for life. Just like the mob. But, so, that's where the question of the gray area of the doping comes in. Okay. You know? so, but, so my thing would be, yeah, I guess you, you can't necessarily punish the athletes themselves, but I want to know how long you've been clean for. How long since you threw your hands up and went, all right, now you're in trouble with, with all the international bodies. I'm now clean for this many right. number of months or years, and I can prove it. Then, okay, come to the Olympics under the international flag. But if you just stopped taking your, your state-sponsored doping yesterday when they announced this, yeah. I don't think he can really compete next month. I, I couldn't agree more because you, you still have an advantage. Yeah. You're still going to have an advantage. Um, and that's uh, – it undermines the whole point of athletic endeavor. You, you know, it's it's this – I don't know. It's just so gross. One, it's gross. And two, it's it's getting old. Is everything Russia – does everything they touch have to be cloaked in some sort of mystery or deception or – uh, mischievous it sure seems intent. like it. it sure seems like it. and it's it's exhausting yeah it's exhausting eventually they're going to be that gross kid who keeps picking his nose and wiping it on people and you're eventually gonna be like i just stay away from him right just stay away from him because they're no good exactly and and he doesn't even realize he's isolating himself you if you knew someone was a criminal if you knew someone was a compulsive liar if you knew someone was always trying to get one over on you 
Would you do business with them? I have a cousin like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course I wouldn't. No, nobody you, would do business with that person, you right? You would go out of your way. You would you would expend energy to stay away from that person, right. to not cross paths with them in any way, because you don't even want the prospect of and having... Even, and even a third party. Even, yeah. Like if, so if I'm doing a deal with Italy or uh, another, and they say, oh, yeah, and my good friend uh, Russia over here wants to do business, I'd be like, well, our deal's off then. Yeah. Like even third party removed, when someone's that toxic, right? You don't want the the impression of impropriety, right? And yeah. so I don't understand why they're doing this. Um, well, for anyone, I don't know if you've seen it, but for anyone who's interested in that particular topic, there's a great documentary called Icarus that won an Academy Award. That's all about the state sponsored doping. It won best documentary last year, maybe two years ago. Oh wow! Last I time I checked, mean- it was on Netflix. It is great. Okay, so next time I get done watching the NFL and it ends at 8.30, Icarus. I'm going to watch Icarus yeah. until I go to bed. That's a good one. Um, do you see news out of the world of boxing? I don't know if you follow boxing very much, but you probably saw the story where this gentleman named Andy Ruiz Jr. Is he? Up. Now, okay, I got to say this. He is he's the Mexican heavyweight champion kind of, right? But he's, okay, now this is going to sound mean. I'm not trying to be mean, but he... he <laughs> I was a, going there too. Go for it. He seems gelatinous. He is a, he's a thick boy. Okay, so because most heavyweight, any fighter, you know, even especially in the heavyweight division, mm-hmm. um, those fighters are they're big, massive men. They range anywhere from two fifteen up to two fifty up to two sixty, and you know, you get hit by a guy that big, who's a professional, they do damage. That's why the heavyweight cha- the division is so fun to watch, is because Absolutely. it takes one punch, and it, it's a, it could be over in one punch. Absolutely. So, I see this Ruiz guy. Uh, Ruiz and um, he doesn't look like a fighter, and I say that because there there's a certain level of conditioning. If you're going to fight for twelve rounds, you are you have to be crazy conditioned, and he doesn't have the physical appearance of a fighter. He has the physical appearance of um, a Best Buy employee. Thank you. Or I was going to say something like a Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah, yeah, Bills Mafia. That's yeah. a very that's much better actually. Um, he just is not. Physically toned. I'll just say the words. He's not physically toned uh, for a fighter, for a right. professional heavyweight fighter. But I got to tell you, from the footage I've seen, he is a wrecking machine. So, yes, he that was what was so fun about it. And, you know, it's changed over the years because if you think back to the guys from the 40s and the 50s that you see, they weren't necessarily these athletic specimens that looked like NFL linebackers. But as time has gone on and as athletics have changed, now most of the guys, including the guy he was fighting against, Anthony Joshua, he looks like an Adonis. He looks like a Greek statue, and he has got the 12-pack abs, and he's just all muscle, and he's, you know, 6'6", 240, and it's just all you know, athletic That's a powerfully, ability. Think about that. Totally ripped. Totally ripped. Muscles on top of muscles at six foot six, two forty. Yeah. That's a doorway. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's that that right there I I I would just forfeit the fight. Oh yeah, absolutely. You just get out of that guy's way. Yeah. Absolutely. But Ruiz uh, who was a replacement fighter for Anthony Joshua, or for a replacement opponent, rather, for Anthony Joshua, came in on short notice. Everyone kind of pointed out what you pointed out, and he surprised Joshua, and he beat him. This was about three months ago. The rematch was last weekend. Uh, maybe maybe their first fight was six or nine months ago. I don't have the date in front of me, but the rematch was last weekend. It was in Saudi Arabia, and Ruiz came in about 30 pounds heavier than the last fight. Oh, God. And he tried to make... He tried to make jokes about it. He said that they made him, the fight was, you know, in Saudi Arabia, and he said that they made him weigh in at the end of the day, and he already had eaten his dinner, and he had his sombrero on, and he got starched. Anthony Joshua just sat there for 12 rounds playing smart boxing and just point just pointed him up, just sat there and just beat the hell out of him and took his title back. And I was just wondering what you thought about, you know, it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's, if you win this second fight, you cement yourself and your legacy is one of the greatest boxers ever, and not this fluke who just had his one night and was able to beat the champ and catch him and take his belt for one one fight, right. only to have the champ take it back. And this guy goes out and puts on 25 or 30 extra pounds or reports coming out of his team that they couldn't get him in training camp when he was supposed to, and he was just being lazy and, and refusing to train and stuff. So, you know, I know that there's an interesting psychological thing there, but where do you come down on that, you know? This guy's probably never had the kind of fame and money that he had that he garnered from winning the belt in the first place, but then he couldn't buckle down in yeah. seemingly a short 
you know, in big picture, a short amount of time to just go through training camp, keep his weight on, and and go into the fight, you know, with a reasonable chance. Yeah, you know, there's a, a couple thoughts here. I mean, one psychologically, yeah, psychologically, you could probably write a book on what's happening right there. Yeah, because you got you got this guy who comes in, surprises, shocks the world, um, and then maybe he, you know, maybe he's thinking I'm not worthy. Maybe he thinks. Uh, Whatever he thinks, it sounds like he's self-sabotaged. Oh, yeah. And and whether it was fear-based, you know, like if I don't put any effort in or if I show up totally not prepared and I'm, I'm overweight and I'm growing. There's my excuse. Then, I'm, you know, I've got an out for when I lose. You know, there's all kinds of psychological games. What he needs to do, he needs to get a, a mental coach. Yeah. You know, a psychologist, sports psychologist, or someone to sit down with them and help them work through those issues. One. Two, get get serious about his training and actually let's have a third fight well that's because probably, that's what the fans want and that and that will be that happens. will that will settle it you know then you'll say okay and and you know life is short you don't get many opportunities especially in the fight game no and so to, to squander them or to throw them away is such a waste and it, it breaks my heart uh, to see someone take take an opportunity, a golden opportunity, and not take advantage of it, or at least not put your best foot forward. I agree. That that was what I I agree with everything you just said. I think the rematch will happen because that's how boxing is. They like trilogies. They mm-hmm. like things that are settled. Um, but he's going to have to do a 180 and get a psychologist and a sports psychologist, and he's going to have to get his head straight, right. his training straight, to even have a chance. And he's got to get, you know, you got to want it. Yeah. You know, like you if, when someone says, all right, we're getting up at 6 in the morning, we're going to do a five-mile run, if you don't want it, yeah, you ain't going to do that run. Or you're going to, you're going to go through the motions and you're not like, if you want it, you get up and you run hard. Yeah, that's And, and you push yourself and you push yourself and you want it, you crave it and you desire it. That's how you, that's how you get better, whether it's golf, boxing, your job, your relationships, whatever it is. You have to want it. You. It has to come from within. Always has to come from within. And right now, that's why he needs the head doctor, because right now it ain't within him. It's crazy how many high-end professional athletes you hear talk about sports psychologists and talk therapy and stuff like that. It, I mean, it's there's a lot of mental aspect that go into whatever sport, you, whatever pursuit. Absolutely. I think I think everything is between the ears. Oh, 100%. Everything's between the ears. And and you see it in acting, too. I've, I've, seen, I've seen actors who, you know, get famous quick, um, and they panic. Because they're like, I'm a phony, or people are going to think I'm a phony, or I did so well in this one thing, I'm afraid to do another thing because it might not be as good. And they live in a fear-based thing. And, yeah. you know, just getting new perspective on that, understanding that that's not always the case and that's not what people are thinking and who cares what people are thinking. And, you know, you need to focus on what you are passionate about and what got you there in the first place. There's all kinds of psychology that goes along with it, but you'll see them self-destruct. You'll see them act out with bad behavior you see him you know substance abuse you'll see him whatever it is because they're it's trust me it's coming from a place of fear yeah and they're overwhelmed yeah they don't know what to do about it all right let's move away from the world of sports for a minute we got some uh well they were submitted as turd award nominees because the turd awards are next week and sarah is bringing in so many hot new ones that i'm gonna have to edit on the fly these are not going to be in contention but we'll talk about them anyways because they're good ones oh good it could be potential 2020 turd award nominees (laughs) this first one comes from paul kingsford who's uh at hunky paul on twitter thanks for sending this in thanks hunky paul a man was shot and killed after he set off a booby trap in his own house on thanksgiving night Ronald Sear, 65, of Van Buren, Maine, died of injuries sustained at his home on November 28th after a handgun that was designed to fire upon anyone entering the front door of his residence went off. This guy's an ass. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you, you set up a rig to shoot anybody who comes through the front door. That's one way to keep family away. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just text him and say don't come this year, you know. Wow. Honestly, think about the level of paranoia. And just general douchery, yeah. That you're going to take a handgun and rig it up in such a manner that if anybody comes to your door, they're going to get blown away. Not just you know, not a, an alarm, not a, a something that dials nine one one, not something that makes you know all the floodlights come on at once. You know, woo woo woo. You know, sure. so, no no death, a gun. I'm going to blow anybody away who comes to the front door. 
So what's crazier, that or forgetting it's there? <laughs> forgetting it's there is that is cosmic justice. That's yeah, yeah. just that's what that is. Yeah, it's the Darwin Award. Oh my God. I don't you just wonder like I read like three articles about this particular story because he just sent the tweet and I was so confounded that I went and found a couple different sources read about this and it just sounds like this gentleman was an idiot of epic proportion. Yeah, I mean I mean you think about how dumb you have to be to one think that setting up the rig is a good idea, setting up a gun, sure, shooting at the front door. The time, the energy, the By the way, it scares me to death that this guy can get a gun if you're that dumb. Yeah. We got some stories later about how easy it is to get a gun. Oh, God. You want to just jump right into that? Yeah, because this guy, I just, I'm flat with a flush. That was yeah. me flushing. Thank you. You're welcome. Help you out there. Flush that turd. A Florida couple shopping for a baby shower gift thought they got a great deal when they found a baby bouncer for only $10 at Goodwill. And as a new father, that is a good deal. That is a good deal. What they didn't expect to find was a semi-automatic rifle. They, uh, they picked up the baby Einstein opened it, and found that there was an AR-15 with a loaded magazine, disassembled AR-15, and a loaded magazine also not in the clip, in the, in the gun, but yeah. all three of those pieces were in the baby jumper box. What in God's name? Florida, ladies and gentlemen. This was picked up at a Goodwill station. They have people. I drop stuff off at Goodwill all the time, and they have people there at the receiving, uh, at the receiving yards uh, to you know, grab the stuff off yeah. the truck and stuff, and then they they organize it into piles, you know, between the, behind these connex boxes or whatever, so they can be put in the stores later. But there's, I always thought that part of that process was a screening process. I always figured it was, but I guess now that I'm thinking about it, I never really hang out long enough. I, at that point, I've probably got my receipt and I'm I'm headed yeah. back to the driver's side door. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess they're not going through them too carefully. If uh, there was a disassembled AK-47 with a full mag. You'd think that that's a little heavier than a baby jumper, too. Yeah, maybe that was what gave it away, was the, the weight and the rattle. Oh, and by the way, I'm so fascinated because AK-47s uh, and and magazines full of ammo, you you know, people um, in general um, are very particular about their weapons because they cost a lot of money. Ammo right. costs money. Uh, also, safety of children. You don't keep them... You know, so traditionally did, registered to you. So if someone, so yeah, registered you. So so if it ends hands. up on the street or whatever, you know, yeah. like you have to answer for it. My, but my point is, so it it finds its way into a child's game, right? Right. My thought is this was being hidden. This is a, this is a weapon. Like they need so to I take think, it to a ballistics lab and see if it matches up with any murder that have happened. So that's interesting. My other thought is, so that's that's certainly now something that I'm not going to be able to get my head past because I hadn't <laughs> gotten there. But what I had in my head was, this is some guy whose wife said, don't go buy another goddamn gun. And then he bought a gun and said, well, I can't let her find out yeah. about this gem. So yeah. he hid it in a box in the garage. And then my wife, Roy, I'm serious. You come back with another <laughs> gun, you just keep on going. I ain't going to get another gun. Damn, we're going to do that with a gun. I just bought it. I just bought it. I know. The baby bouncer. Yeah, I put it in the baby bouncer. She ain't never going to look for a gun or baby bouncer. And then she went and donated it. Well, congratulations, idiots. <laughs> You're all idiots. Thank all you. Right. That made me feel better. Flush that turd down the toilet. There you go. All right. Well, we'll stick with idiots, I guess. An Arizona teen got stuck after attempting to sneak into her own house <laughs> through the chimney. <laughs> she tried to slip down her chimney and attempt to sneak home after a late night out and got stuck for more than an hour until firefighters came to the rescue. <laughs> How high or drunk was she? Oh, I saw the pictures. She was real lit. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was high or drunk. I'm going to guess both. So everybody knows that chimneys aren't made. I mean, they're not big. They're like Santa doesn't come down a chimney. He doesn't? No, he comes through the front door, back door. That's why oh. sliding doors and stuff. I always wondered how he got the presents. I'm like, I got a bike one year. How exactly. Not fitting? I, I stared at that chimney for about 30 seconds before I knew there was something fishy. Yeah, you knew there was something yeah. was amiss. Something was it. Something's up here. Something's amiss. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Um, yeah, that's that's really ridiculous that she actually thought that was a viable option. By the way, that Christmas that I stared at the chimney, I was five. This girl was 17. So do you think it's, I'm just asking, is it possible that she doesn't know the real story about Santa Claus? I spent some time in Arizona. It's possible. Yeah, it could be very possible. There are pockets of Arizona that are filled with <laughs> lovely, lovely people and yeah. there are pockets that are not. Yeah. 
I don't know. Um, I, I do you blame it though on intoxication? It's got to be a combination of bad parenting, intoxication, <laughs> the school system. Yeah, there's a lot of people to blame here. Oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a there's a list. Yeah. Hey. I'll I'll go with you. I'll go parenting, school system, intoxication. And let's be honest, the chimney probably is. Uh, it looks big. Well, it sa- <laughs> it sounds like she got pretty far down it, and then there was a plate. So she might have had an above average sized chimney yeah. because it sounds like she got basically to the bottom, and there was a plate that was preventing her from actually getting into and the house. And then she couldn't get back up. Correct. So then she. So was they just had stuck. to like lower a, a hoist in there yeah. and jack her back up through the bricks. Yeah, it was. Uh, By the way. Um, <laughs> Oh my god! 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 Okay, never mind. I'm not gonna go down that whole road. All right, this uh, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll wrap up on this one. But I like this. A Missouri Police Department. Thank you. I appreciate that. A Missouri Police Department has issued a warning about untrustworthy drug dealers. The Winfield Police Department said some untrustworthy untrust- drug dealers are using their cell phones instead of a certified scale to display the weight of what they are selling. They showed a picture of this. So what people are apparently doing is they're taking the calculator on their iPhone. They're typing in 3.5 or whatever the grams are supposed to be, then setting the bag of marijuana or whatever other drug on the screen of their cell phone and showing it to their customers and saying, see, it's 3.5 grams. You can see right here, but it's just the calculator. This police department has gone on to say that they want to help people avoid becoming a victim. So they have officers who can assist by weighing their purchases to ensure that they don't get cheated out of what they paid for. If you can't meet with an officer, the department said they would be, they would like you to call their office and officers would be happy to contact your drug dealer to speak with them. This is all on Facebook and obviously it's <laughs> tongue in cheek, but I just thought it was pretty funny because at first I thought it was a, a legitimate turd. I thought it was a legitimate, you know, this is a thing drug dealers are doing. Yeah. And in fact, it's a, a cleverly crafted, you know, joke post by oh, yeah. some, you know, Missouri police department that went a little bit viral because they put it on their Facebook page. Hats off to the Winfield, Missouri yeah, police like, department for having a sense of humor. Absolutely. And putting it out there yeah. on display, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, and it's a funny bit. I, and I did not, if that, that could legitimately be a scam. I could see drug dealers trying that. I bet. It comes from a place of reality. I'm sure it does. I bet it comes from a place of reality where they caught somebody or whatever, and he's like, well, the guy said it was, and he described the whole thing, and they said, I'm sorry, say that again? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> because no cop is sitting around thinking that up. you got to be pretty high to just invent that, and yeah. that's not the cops. So I'm that, willing to bet that happened in real life. I agree. The cops heard about it from you know from the street yeah. or from someone they arrested or whatever. And their 24-year-old like, oh. intern was like, all right, well, this yeah. is going to – I got some heat for Facebook. <laughs> By the way, whoever wrote that for Winfield, uh, you ought to think about coming out to uh, L.A. Exactly. or New York or Chicago uh, and try your hand at comedy. Yeah, I, that's just very I think impressive. The Onion, he could be a, or he or she could be a writer for The Onion. Absolutely. Uh, and and God, do very well. God, those people are talented. They are funny as I mean, God. what has it been, 25 years? The Onion articles still get me. I, I'll go to the I'll The headlines the always crack yeah. me up, and they're just killer. And then when you – the headline always grabs you when you read The Onion, and then you, you dive down into the articles – and they're crafted so beautifully oh, that you're like, it reads like the real deal. It reads better than a lot of what the real deal is out there now. <laughs> I mean, the quality of journalism has become so yeah. iffy in the internet age that The <sighs> Onion might have some of the best written articles out there. I, I, the articles you want to read. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Oh, my God. That's pleasing. Way to go, Winfield. Yep. Well, you want to wrap it up there? You want to take a listener question Let's or do two? a question because I, I don't feel like I've taken many questions lately. All right. Matt Mouchard said... Uh, Matt Mitchard, sorry if I I'm one of the others, right? Sorry, Machard. Matt. Machard, I like Machard. It has more of an edge to it. All right, Matt Machard. Yo, Machard. Fun little story that Gary will like. The wide receiver coach for the Chargers is from my hometown. Go Chiefs, though. I don't really know what he's getting out there. I'm glad he's a Chiefs fan. What was he saying about you, though? He, he just said that I'm going to like that the wide receiver coach for the Chargers is from his hometown. Huh? Oh, he just knows you're a Charger fan. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have wide receivers who can catch. <laughs> so I don't know. Just a twist of the knife, Gare. Yeah. Just a twist of the knife. All right. By the way, while, while we're on Charger Talk. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I, I joked to my father before the most did you, recent you game. Saw, you saw, right? You saw, saw the, the... I saw the outcome. Oh, you the, the loss? No, no. I'm talking about the Philip Rivers trash talk. Yes, I did. I didn't see it live, but I've seen it... The viral. ...exploding on Twitter. Yes. Yes. Your thoughts, please, sir. I believe that gentleman who was talking back to him would beat the ever-living shit out of him if mm-hmm. they were ever in a room together. Yes. And I believe and, and, that he would be justified. And by the way, 
so I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, it's a it's a it's a difficult name. I I, I remember. I'm, I'm not sure I do either. I'll try to look it up here. Yeah, but anyway, he um, he's a defensive end, I think, for Jacksonville Jaguars, and he knocked Philip Rivers down um, as Philip Rivers passed the ball, and then as like a gentleman and a sportsman, he went over and extended his hand to Phil uh, to uh, Phillips. Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers, and and actually helped him to his feet. Rivers had thrown uh, a touchdown pass and started to get into this defensive ear, defensive end's ear, screaming at him, taunting him, challenge to the point where the referee came over and told Philip Rivers to get lost. Yep, told him to say, "Get out of here, man! What are you doing? Get out of here!" Because he was taunting the guy that just helped him up. I think his and, name is Yannick Nengoki, but I that could be I could be mispronouncing okay. that. It's a, unusual. So he all the way down the field, Philip Rivers just kept taunting just him, and taunting him, until the referee was like, "Get out of here! Get out of here! Get out of here!" And and then um, uh, the defensive end Nyongi, uh, his response though, he was like, "Just be humble, man." He, yeah. gotta, he didn't even yell or scream or try to get back in his face. No. He just said, "Why don't you be humble, man? Just be humble. You know, you got a good play. Be you humble." Just scored exactly. You just scored. And I don't know what point in the game that was, but by the end, it was pretty lopsided. Yeah, and. You know, here's my thing. I, I can argue. I know he's your quarterback, so you don't have no, to defend no. the man. You don't, I don't have to defend him. I'm I don't need you. to defend the man. I Listen, I can argue it from many different perspectives. To be an NFL quarterback, you have to be an ultra competitor. And yep. I'm sure that it is hard to turn that off. And he was just knocked to the ground after doing something impressive. And there's no one else around. Everyone else is 40 yards down the field. So that's who he has to talk a little, talk a little smack to, put a little stank on it. But <laughs> on the other hand, sir, you're not going to make the playoffs. You've never won. You just, it's another embarrassing Charger season. I joked to my father before that game, oh, we'll probably win by 35 today. And my dad was like, well, you think so? No, I don't think so. But <laughs> but it would be perfect Chargers fashion to win by 35 and go, oh, my God. Well, but for a few stumbles earlier in the year, we could be headed to, headed to, to you know, wherever the Super Bowl is. And, of course, that happens. They win by 30. And it's, you know, it's just, as a Chargers fan, I just looked at it and just kind of smiled and went back to whatever yeah, I was it's that, doing. It's, it's that like, little too right. little, a little too late. Yeah, what you as guys always. Doing? Yeah, you guys, you guys come through in mid December or yeah. sometime around when it does know, it's no good, where you can't fix it anymore, or or even worse, some years it's maybe they can sneak in in that wild card spot. I mean, everything has to go right. We need four teams to yeah. lose different games, yeah. and we have to win all three of ours that are left. But if that happened and it was snowing, yeah, and a field goal went off the right upright, yeah. We, we could sneak in. It could still happen, technically. And, it, and they just leave. So they, the rest of my holidays are just me, you know, with a 14-team parlay sitting there with a thing of sage in my uh. house trying to get, you know. So for the Chargers, it's just win, win, especially yeah. in December and January. And then I'll give you more latitude on Smack Talk. But Philip Rivers yeah. is reportedly well, here's the thing. Phillip, doesn't swear. He's a nice guy in the world. He has 34 kids. I know that Philip Rivers. He um, he uh, vexes me, and it's because he uh, he is he strikes me off camera, off the field, as a pretty reasonable, nice guy. Seems like it. Uh, a family man. Yep. Um, all these things. You get him on the field. He turns into a Jay Cutler whiny B word. Yeah, I can say bitch. Yeah, he turns into a Jay Cutler, whiny player who complains about everything that everything that goes on. Yeah, and then talks a tremendous amount of trash when you know uh, the the only thing protecting you is the fact that you're on a sporting field. You know, like right. you, you wouldn't say that to in him anywhere else. Yeah, and and, the, and so it's just I don't know. It just it doesn't seem genuine. Doesn't seem real. Whereas Tom Brady, who was recently caught on the sidelines during one of his teams, what ended up being a loss, and yeah. you know they they broke it down and slowed it down with the lip reading, and he's cursing and swearing. He's trying to motivate his guys. He's not talking shit. He he's, didn't, yeah, he didn't talk to the other team. No. He went back to his bench to his and said, receivers. "Guys, you need to you need to run your routes quicker. You need to be more explosive. You need to do you need to you make get more it together." Moves. Yeah, you know, and and that's what a quarterback does. You sure. know, he's got to lead his offense. He's, and if that, if he's seeing things that don't aren't working, he's saying things to the players. Exactly. Phillip is picking fights with a defensive end for the other team. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. As a Chargers fan, it wasn't a good look. Yeah. Anyway, you don't have to justify that stuff. That's right. not on you. No, it's not. All right. Well, 
There's one here that I think is fun, but maybe we should save it for Sarah. Ian Heidecky says, who would win the battle, a wildcat, a bulldog, or the mythical Jayhawk? And those are, of course, all of our Oh, no, schools. we did. I think we talked about this Did one. we do that one? Yeah, we talked okay. about that one. And uh, remember, I was talking about my, the bird of prey. Ah, that's right. That is absolutely right. Which it is. It's a death bird. It comes from above. Uh, I think maybe the last time it was a different listener that didn't include mine, and it was just yours versus Sarah's. Maybe that's why I got confused. But... Regardless, uh, Kevin Lagarda has a good question that I've always wanted to know the answer. How many lessons do we need to take in order to get a black belt in Rob Riggle high performance karate? Oh, oh Kevin, <laughs> that's a great question, but it's it's a little naive. Yeah, um, it was silly, but I wanted to I wanted you to bring it back down to earth. Well, it's just naive in the sense to think that uh, I'll just say it. first of all, we don't call them lessons. They're not lessons, sure, and it's not classes. It's a state of being. Yeah. That's how you get your black belt. Right. Um, and through achievement and through combat. Yeah. Um, mortal combat on the street where it's real and unforgiving. That's how you get a black belt. And by the way, we don't pass out belts uh, in high performance karate. Just um, a brand? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you're either master level or you're not. Right. It's real simple. There's, it's like an on and off switch. The lights are either on or they're off. A lot of guys can throw low kicks in the dojo. Right, but take it to the streets. You got to be on the streets. You know, take it to the streets and see if that low kick works. Yeah. Um, and if it does, okay, now maybe maybe you flip the switch. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. That's why I'm always nice to one Rob Riggle. Well, you're very I, kind. I know did, you, did you see that last Jedi movie where Luke Skywalker uh, transformed himself? Like, he was, he was still on the island, but he, all of a sudden he was... Yeah, and he was fighting Kylo Ren, but yeah, he wasn't. It. But he wasn't there. I saw it. Okay, that's where I'm at. That's the level I'm at right yeah. now. Where I'm, that's I a, can be in two places. Sure, that's an apt analogy. Uh, that's the level of my high performance karate. Now, is everybody there? No, of course not. I'm no. the only one right now. Um, but again, you're either a master or you're not. So you it's, all, it's a light switch. There's no lessons. There's sure. not amount of lessons that we'll go all, into it. We'll all have to just aspire to that. I don't know. All right, well, uh, hey, listen, um, I'm getting a text right now from Sarah saying um, they are going to spend more time, actually, in Kansas City because it's so fun. Yeah, I think that she's probably getting some barbecue. She's hey. saying it's for the turds, but I, I've been to Kansas City. I think she wants some of that delicious she's go- barbecue. She's going for the barbecue, the really the best barbecue in America, it sounds like. And then she said she'll probably continue on uh, down south to round up most of the turds down there. Yeah, Georgia and Florida. I mean, Georgia, Florida line. <sighs> Valdosta. <laughs> not that there are turds in Valdosta, but that's the st- usually on the state line, I think. Yeah. If right I'm not there. mistaken. Uh, all right, friends. Hey, thank you so much for uh, listening to Riggles Picks. And don't forget, next week, guys, don't miss it. We went, it's, it's the annual, second annual? Second, second annual. annual. Second annual North American Turd Awards. And we have a quite a, a, a crop of turds this year. Yes, we do. Please don't miss it. We a lot of time goes into it. It's a it's going to be a fun show, and we're we're working on some stuff. So you know, it'll be a surprise exactly what it is. But uh, I can tell you, I've I've already been listening to stuff, and there are a lot of good turds to harken oh, back great. to. And and with uh, fingers crossed, we're going to have some celebrity guests joining us as well. That's the hope. Yeah. <sighs> Gary, thank you for being here, my friend, uh, and for Sarah Tiana, uh, who is somewhere either over the skies uh, or over in the skies over America or in Kansas City in barbecue on her way down to Florida to round up turds on her uh, for Sarah Tiana and Rob Riggle. Hey, thanks for listening to Riggle Picks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>